Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Today on our show, we've got Dan Salucci. Dan is the CEO of Catholic Leadership Institute. It's a wonderful apostolate providing leadership training and consulting. Uh, we're having him on because we want to talk about discipleship making today. So without further ado, I'd like to uh, invite Dan to say hello. Dan, how you doing? Hello, Deacon Matt. So good to be with you. Um, and uh, just shout out to, I don't know if you're a Hawkeye fan, but my sister is the uh, head coach at the University of Iowa. So I have a big place in my heart for the state of Iowa. I know there's other teams in sports there, but uh, go Hawkeyes. So oh, well, first of all, awesome. And to everyone listening, I, th- this is not like a prepaid arrangement here. This, this is a true Hawkeye connection, which is a rare thing. What do you say she's the head coach, head coach of what? Uh, field hockey. So she went to school field there hockey. and, uh, and she's been the longtime head coach there. And, uh, we just have a strong, we're only allowed to wear black and gold in my family <laughs> and, and none of us actually went there, but, uh, but I've been to, to I guess that's the diocese of Davenport, been there several times, love yep. Iowa city and Des Moines. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, that's uh, wonderful. Did you ever have a chance uh, to go to Kinnick stadium for a game? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking football now. And if and did you get a chance to experience the wave tradition? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, uh, at the end of the first, uh, at the end of the first quarter, we have um, the stand up, and they the, the fans will turn around and wave uh, at the the kids uh, in the cancer wing that yeah. is part of the University of Iowa Hospital, and that wing overlooks the stadium. It's the best view yeah. in town of the stadium. And, and, it's and a, I mentioned I mentioned to you, Deacon Matt, right, our eight year old unfortunately has been going through uh, cancer treatment. Um, yeah, and uh, so actually, my hope is uh, there's a, a slim possibility we might be on that field to to uh, actually or in that wing to to actually get the wave uh, firsthand this coming fall. So that's what we're that's what we're shooting for is if we can get everybody out there, uh, be a, a, a yeah. good moment. So. Well, well, I'll tell you what can, you can get right now is my prayers and the prayers of everybody listening. So let's pray for the Salucci family. Uh, what's your son's name? Peter. A good, good name. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good name, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, very good. So we will definitely pray for you and um, keep me posted about how your son's doing. Okay. All right. So Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, I kicked off the show saying you're the, you're the CEO of Catholic Leadership Institute. We'll talk a little bit about the Institute, but just say a little bit more about who you are, where you come from. Yeah. Most important vocation is as a husband and father of four children, uh, born and raised in the Philadelphia area. Uh, so talking to you just right outside uh, of the city, about 30, 30 uh, minutes west. Um, grew up um, always involved in the church, active in the church, um, actually wanted to be in the foreign service in the diplomatic corps and was kind of on a path to do that. And then uh, and got involved actually as the first summer intern for Catholic Leadership Institute back about 20 years ago uh, when there was like one or two people on staff and it was <laughs> newly founded. And um, just it was in someone's like, garage, wasn't yeah, it? No, basically, <laughs> actually a converted bomb shelter. Oh, wow. So, uh, if you ever need a place to go, just let me know and I can point you there to our first office. But um, but we, uh, I just fell in love with the mission that, you know, our founder founded us 
um, on kind of a simple premise, which is God's gift to us is our potential and what we do with it is mm. our gift back to God. And so while I had been involved in the church all my life, had gone to Catholic school, had been involved in youth ministry, I don't, I don't know that I ever really heard that message that God has something in store for each one of us, that we have mm-hmm. a, a unique kind of God-given mission and that he has created us perfectly for that. And so that, that message changed my life and uh, dropped the, the plans for the, the foreign service and really wanted to work for the church. So uh, after I graduated um, from college, I worked for a Catholic college for a year or so. And then uh, CLI got a grant to bring me on full time. Um, I, I don't even remember what the title was at that point. It was like doing whatever needed to be done because we only had two people. Uh, but now we, praise God, are, you know, um, trying to reach about 25, 26 uh, full-time team members and another 30 um, members of our consulting pool around the country. So, Wow, what a blessing. It sounds yeah. like you've really uh, been fruitful over the years and expanded. Um, another sign of, of God's blessing. And uh, I want to go back to what you said, too, just, just for a moment about uh, the mission of, of actualizing the potential that God gives us. And uh, it's interesting you say that because some of my new books out, uh, they saw through God's eyes an invitation from the saints. And part of that is about understanding how God sees us. And one of those themes is he sees our potential. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I take stories from scripture and talk about that. But um, I think one of the biggest challenges, and we're going to jump into some challenges facing discipleship making today and a little bit later in the program. But um, I think one of the challenges, people don't realize they have that uh, yeah. potential. 100%. If, if I could tell you the number of times that I talk to people in parish life, and we do a lot with, you know, parish renewal and trying to help uh, strengthen leaders at the parish level, the, the feeling of not being equipped um, to do, uh, you know, this ministry or to share the faith or to build their parish or to be even called into a leadership role in the parish uh, is, is, is a common theme. And so you look at, you know, we're in the, in the Easter season as we're talking and you look at the acts of the apostles and it's like, talk about a, a group of people who weren't equipped with necessarily much skill or, you know, formal training, if you will, but, um, just a real heart. And, and, and I think a, a real proximity to the Lord, right. I mean, literally, I guess for them in, in, but also, that zeal is what really gave them, um, what they needed, all that they needed. And so we, we always, again, reference, Kind of the quote, like, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And that's what we try to do in our apostolate is equip the called. Well, it's it's a blessing to have you on the show. This is an exciting topic. It's an important topic. It's timely. Uh, making disciples today uh, in a in a milieu that is very complicated and challenging. So uh, instead of starting with the problems with discipleship making or the problems like facing it, uh, why don't we reverse engineer from the solutions and then we'll work our way back to the problem. So let's talk about the the Leadership Institute, the Catholic Leadership Institute. You referred to the founder and its founding. Can you say a little bit about more about the origins and mission? Yeah, our, our, um, our founder, Tim Flanagan, uh, I should say one of our co-founders because he had a partner um, in, in his journey, but um, he, businessman, um, lifelong student of leadership, lifelong Catholic, and, and he was um, going on a, a, a Fortune 500, you know, leader kind of retreat, a corporate retreat, and they asked him to kind of write down his personal mission statement, and he um was actually literally on a horse uh, in, in New Mexico, kind of on a horseback. It was at a ranch Ooh. and he was literally thrown off his horse. And oh then, no, another and soul story. I can't even make it up, but he's lying there waiting for help. And he just says, he just had this feeling um, when he was came back and was arm was in a sling 
But what he wrote down was to bring the best in leadership development to the Catholic church. He had seen Mm. it in the corporate world. He had seen it in the business world. There was just millions and millions of dollars being invested in human potential and yet not in the church. So he came back to Philadelphia where he was living at the time and met a priest, a diocesan priest who was in charge of youth and young adult ministry. And that priest said, hey, I'll help you navigate the church if you help me build young adult leaders in the Philadelphia area. And so they started actually with um, high ropes, uh, experiential learning Mm. uh, and and running retreats for young adults, which is how I got involved and and what changed my life. And then probably about 10 years in, um, they looked around and said, where is the greatest need we can can provide? And what they were finding was they were firing up all these young adults to recognize their potential, to put it at the service of the church. And then they were going back to parishes where oftentimes the pastor was either kind of overwhelmed or not sure what to do with these young adults. Or, and, <laughs> and so they were like, okay, we might be actually setting people up for failure. So how could we help our priests better? And so that then took us down a, a path of really investigating what were the challenges and putting together some robust curriculum that uh, spread like wildfire. So we, you know, overnight, we went to about a hundred different dioceses, about a third of the priests in the country. And then that gave us more and more experiential learning around what are these, you know, uh, pastors and priests really facing? Uh, what are some of maybe the deeper issues that we need to kind of uh, help support? Um, and so then that kind of uh, expanded us to talking to their bishops and the bishops bringing us in to help with, with all sorts of different leadership challenges. So Again, we really still see our mission of, of, of equipping the called, accompanying people um, on their road and, and just being with them to kind of uh, really ask the right questions to develop that potential and put it at, at the service of the church. Do you find as you go from diocese to diocese or parish to parish, do you find um, the priests that you're engaging, or I also know that you serve deacons as well, um, uh, and as well as lay leaders in parishes, do you... Um, find resistance? Do you find you're welcome with open arms? Do you find people looking at this organization with suspicion? Um, how are people receiving the Institute? Yeah, I think it, it's a question, you know, as we're celebrating 30 years this year. So I would say certainly in those first uh, 10 years, uh, there was a lot of suspicion, a lot of concern. And even when we started our, our first offering for priests, um, you know, there was, uh, there was, you know, who, who basically, who are you to kind of tell us what we need to know? And, and, and you know what, in some ways they were right. We were coming at it, trying to draw on some good corporate kind of, you know, stuff that was out there. And, but, but one of the things that that um, suspicion or, or feedback, you know, early on kind of challenged us to do was to actually start with the source, start with the mm-hmm. church's documents, start with scripture um, there is a rich tradition in our Catholic faith around leadership in the documents of the church. And so, so that really pushed us not to say, hey, let's you know, sprinkle some holy water on it and call it Catholic, right. but actually start from the source and come out and then make connections about what's going right. on in, in, the, in the secular world. So I think when we, when we went through that own learning in our first couple of years, that, that helped build a lot of credibility. And then as we got to more and more places and heard the real life struggles, our team was just obviously able to connect on a really deep and, and practical level as to what um, what was going on. So that that built credibility um, as well. When when you provide your services, um, consulting, uh, leadership training after after people have experienced that, after the priests and deacons have gone through this this training, uh, have consulted you. What's a common response you get? Uh, is it um, What's, what's kind of common feedback that you get after experiencing yeah. what you do? 
Um, I think, you know, on the, um, to, to be honest, for, for some of the guys, it's really challenging, especially for our priests. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we'll invite them to in a lot of cases is to really reflect back to, to their call in the first place. Like mm-hmm. when they laid down on that floor and you, you know, this, you mm-hmm. know, from, from your, like, what, what were you envisioning? What mm-hmm. was, what was the source of that call? And for mm-hmm. many of our priests, especially there's a, there's a big gap now between if they've been in ministry for a number of years, what, what they were envisioning and, and hoping for and where that motivation was and what they're feeling, you know, today. And, and yeah. so w- what we do first is have to kind of raise that up. And for some of them, that's really difficult to kind yeah. of acknowledge and accept. We hope though, and for many of them, they say we help them kind of bring those two back together, right? Like, so that they, they don't have to, it's not just a past memory. It's, it actually can be a current reality and a future reality. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that the most sacred and, and inspiring, you know, and, and affirming maybe feedback that we get is that you both understand the church and you love the church. And so I think for some of us, we can overly intellectualize and do our research thing and kind of diagnose um, and speak to it from an understanding standpoint, but not necessarily a love standpoint. And I think some of us can also have this kind of overly de- deferential or pie in the sky, especially related to some of our clergy, mm-hmm. where we don't have kind of hard and difficult conversations out of love. But I think what we do best when we're at our best is try to bring those two together. We, we speak, hopefully, from a place of deep knowledge, but also a place of deep love. And I think that's what we hear most is like, you really cared for me as a person, um, in this relationship, whether it's a coaching relationship or a training relationship, or even a consulting relationship. And, and I feel that accompaniment, you know, from you and from everybody in the apostolate. That's, that's what I was thinking. Uh, so you, you went back to the, um, you know, moment of being prostrate on the floor during an ordination. And what was that like? It's funny because two things were occurring for me. One was all this dust was getting into my nostrils and I was trying not to sneeze because uh, it was going to be big. And then the other one was, this is a super holy moment. Yes. yes. Uh, wow. What, what a moment this is. And pour your grace on me. And so it's the, a wonderful like microcosm into every one of us. But uh, in that particular moment of how human we are yes. and how human I am and how divine we want to be and yeah. how divine God wants us to be, to be like him in his image and likeness. I, I, but we need that help. And I, I, and the way I would articulate it, which you just kind of did at the tail end, I need to be accompanied on that human side so I can be more godlike, yeah, uh, more Christ-like. And it sounds yeah, like I, that's what you're. That's I, what you're I, I mean, I love that description because it is yeah. so true. Like, and I think what we try to do is we don't try, we, we try to make it very very practical because I think part of our part of our call in discipleship is to hold those two things together. Right? It's like to try. I mean, we'll never fully grasp the divine, but but like that part of the, our father, right. At, in heaven, as it is, you know, uh, yeah. as it is in, uh, on earth, as it is in heaven and, and kind of hold those two things together. Like that's what we're trying to do in our mission. And so, so we have to kind of laugh about the dust in our nose <laughs> yeah. and we shouldn't try to ignore it. We shouldn't try to like, we should acknowledge it and, and, but make sure we're finding the Lord in it as well, you know? And so I think at our best, we try to do that. The, a, a foundational passage, which again, just was came up and we were reflecting on for us, is is the road to Emmaus so that if there was one kind of scripture that kind of grounds us as a as a ministry it's that one you know for a couple different reasons one obviously we're all on that journey um we see ourselves in if if we're you know effective in our ministry as kind of being on that road with a diocesan parish you know clergy lay leaders walking with them and, and then but ultimately recognizing him in the breaking of the bread and helping people to kind of be about uh that and and to get right. people's hearts to be 
uh, on on fire. Um, so, uh, but but I think it it even that passage I think holds those two things in tension: the very human nature that we are, and then also that that we're walking with the Lord, and sometimes we don't even know it and recognize <laughs> it. So. so let's get down to it. We we kind of in general terms mentioned that you provide coaching and training and consulting. Uh, for leadership. So let's zero in on one of these uh, pieces, which you call the Disciple Maker Index. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about that, um, the purpose of it, and and how that's being received? Yeah, so we, um, for for 20 years, we were doing leadership training and and also even some some facilitation around strategic planning. So the importance of having a plan and a vision as a parish or a diocese. And so again, training people how to do it, facilitating processes, and what we noticed or observed was there was a really a lack of data-driven decision-making. Um, so the, the diocese especially, or the parishes, had some access to data, but weren't really using that in their decision-making. It was a lot of anecdotal, qualitative, you know, subjective, which, which is okay. But, but uh, sometimes it was a lot of loudest voices in the room just kind of getting what they wanted. Or And so um, we... we we also were hearing from a lot of the pastors we were helping, like, hey, with limited time, limited resources, how do I know what is best to try to do? Or I can't do everything. You know, how do I kind of uh, uh, figure that out? So we looked around at some tools that were out there, but ultimately decided that, you know, uh, it would be best if we actually built a survey tool that would ask parishioners two things. Number one, where are they in their journey? Where are they on that road to Emmaus um, in their practices and their beliefs and their attitudes? And two, what, what was the parish doing or not doing that was helping them on that road? So mm. a lot of parishes do surveys and they ask people kind of what they want. Yeah. But the reality is we find that people don't really know what they want, especially right. on kind of questions of faith, but they could maybe more accurately answer where they are. Mm-hmm. So we developed an instrument working with a lot of different thought leaders, bishops, pastors, folks in evangelization and catechesis to try to frame some questions to get that, to get that snapshot. And we rolled it out in 2014 and now, you know, sitting here, we're approaching about 500,000 responses from mm. 2,100 different parishes, 50 some dioceses, 20 different languages. Um, and, and so there's just a, a, a ton of insight, obviously, at a national level that we're getting on where people are. Um, the, the survey uh, skews, not surprisingly, to people who are, at, say, they're going to mass weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're able to do is show a parish or a diocese or both kind of where their people are. And, and not to tell them what to do, but to maybe help guide their discernment as parish leadership as to where are some of the investments that they want to make in faith formation, in catechesis, in evangelization and outreach and in pastoral care. And then we help to facilitate that process um, with them so that we can get them to some type of kind of plans for the future uh, action planning. So uh, but then at a national level, we're actually, you know, we're seeing some pretty interesting trend lines about disciple making and, and evangelization and catechesis as well. So if one um, were to, uh, you know, take the Disciple Maker Index survey or one were to, is it a subscription or how does one access it? No, so generally we offer it via, I would say most of the time through the diocese. So the diocese will offer it maybe to a subset of its parishes or to all the parishes and ask them to do it. We do have the ability for individual parishes to kind of sign up and, and do it. Um, and actually we've had a lot of, of philanthropic funding that has come in that has made it possible for dioceses and parishes to, to participate at no cost. So, um, uh, but the parish will, will administer it for the parish or the diocese. And then it takes about parishioners about 10 
to 12 minutes to complete. Um, mostly it happens online, although we offer paper copies for- Your uh, outlook is blowing up. Yeah, I know, I'm gonna turn that <laughs> up. Uh, older, uh, older parishioners or um, you know, different uh, communities who uh, you know, find paper uh, easier. And then, and then sure. we, again, we process all that data and then again, help facilitate conversations with parish leadership uh, to figure out what, what are some of the areas of strength we can celebrate and what are some of the real needs that we should prioritize in our ministry going forward. So I know that, I know that every diocese is different. Every diocese has to some degree, different needs, different priorities. Um, do people who, who collaborate with you at the diocesan level, do they have, are they able to see the national, the aggregated data that you've accumulated and what that might tell them? Yeah. So we're able to, we, we've invested a lot in uh, our, our online platform. So we're actually able to benchmark a lot of the data, both for the parishes and for the diocese and, and also filter it like a million different ways. So we That's can take awesome. any of the questions and kind of cross-reference them. So, and, and one of the ways we help dioceses, you know, again, if you're, if you're the diocesan director of cate- catechesis or evangelization, in many cases, uh, you're one person for a lot of places that are looking for resources, right? You, I'm sure right. this, you, you come across this. So again, for those folks to try to envision programming and like, it's really hard without good data. So in this way, they can kind of look and say, okay, what are some of the constituencies? For example, if we looked at it through the lens of age, you know, what are some of the beliefs that are really people are struggling with that we can look at? And therefore we can not only build a program for people on belief in the true presence, for example, in the Eucharist, Mm -hmm. but we can actually know where in our diocese is that type of offering going to be most helpful Mm -hmm. and then target and prioritize our our efforts that way. The same is true. Parish can do that. Um, And then we have benchmarks for the parishes to say, okay, if we're a rural parish in in Iowa, um, what are other rural parishes doing on this particular question? Uh, that we might be able to learn from or see kind of how we, you know, stack up at least from a context standpoint uh, to get a sense of, of where is this an area of strength or opportunity for us? Guys, that sounds amazing. And um, I know that I, I know I would definitely be interested in it as a pastor. Um, I also know, as we talked a little bit earlier, maybe some of the uh, inherent resistance to uh, yeah. looking at quantitative data and, and yes. analyzing that data. And I can just imagine Father X saying, uh, what does any of this have to do with my formation as a priest? You know, and it's, I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader, but I go back to Jesus, right? Be as, as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Be wise, find out what the data is telling you, and then be gentle, be pastoral in your implementation of your well, whatever. And, and yeah. to put, put a finer point on it, one, you know, some of the questions we ask are not just about people's beliefs or practices, which, which is a lot of it. We also ask about their perceptions of the parish and the pastor. So Good. <laughs> it is, it is, um, <laughs> you know, it is a, a really delicate and, you know, people are probably listening to this saying, well, gosh, like our, you know, company or whatever does surveys all the time. Yeah. But that's not, the Catholic church is not known for its, you know, feedback systems um, right. relative to our leaders, especially our, our priests. But even I would say our lay leaders serving in parish and, and diocesan life, I can't tell you how many you know, places don't have, you know, any type of performance kind of review process or right. management or feedback loop. So, you know, a priest will spend 25 years in ministry and never have any type of feedback that is helpful. Right. Um, so, you know, we're asking about is the, is the preaching connecting scripture to everyday life is, 
you know, the, the parish offering hospitality. And so uh, there is a, there is a, a certain uh, a degree of understandable kind of hesitation um, to get that feedback because right. uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss or you know, sometimes <laughs> we're not used to it. So I give a lot of credit to our pastors who are willing and, and, yeah. and do seek out that feedback. Cause that's, that's a, you know, a, it's not only a sign of a good leader, but right. like, let's be honest, it's a really Catholic thing to do to examine one's conscience sure. and to, said, to try to make yourself better. Right. Sure. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it takes, yeah. it takes humility though. Right. And hundred percent. Yeah. And that's at, that's at a premium sometimes, especially in our leadership. And yeah. I think part of the, the battles that so many priests and uh, particularly priests face is there's so the expectations are so high for them and the theology is so high about them. And this, this in persona Christi, I mean, imagine trying to live with that. Uh, oh, I'm supposed to operate as Jesus in these uh, priestly moments of my life. Uh, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of pressure. That's a that's that's a colossal, infinite expectation. And then having to balance that with knowing your own faults, your own shortcomings, the dust in your nose when you were on the sanctuary floor, etc. I, th- I think what you're doing. I got to go back to this word that accompaniment piece of it. Is so key because my next question, real quick, was so we've we've done the survey. You know, does your does Catholic Leadership Institute offer like further support in helping yes. a parish implement something? Yeah. And, fact, or do you do you mediate when those conversations become difficult? Yeah. So, in fact, we won't offer the survey unless there is, and it doesn't have to necessarily be us who does it, but we won't we won't do it just as a diagnostic, particularly for that reason, because it's right. not just meant to be evaluative. It's meant right. to be, you know, formative and, and also directional. Do toward, something with us. something, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we absolutely provide that type of support. We also train folks in the diocese or at the parish level to provide that, that level of accompaniment and support because we want it to be fruitful towards something. And, and the and really encouraging thing is that, you know, I would say we've had now of the 2,100 parishes, probably about at least 300 or 400 at this point, you know, in the last five years who've been able to do it again. And, and so we can show them longitudinal change over time. And so when they put their mind to, for example, trying to build up a belief among their people, um, they see that change actually reflected in the data right. over. And that's really encouraging because yes. it's like, sometimes you can see ministry, the change. Sometimes in ministry, we're kind of like, Okay, I know this is lifelong vocation, and especially for our priests and deacons. But it's yeah. like, is am I am I making any type of difference? You know, and yeah. so to to be able to just see, yeah, we are growing towards something. I think is is really encouraging. Um, but uh, but that accompaniment is really important to making sure that happens. Yeah, if I say if I hear myself saying one more time, Matt, you're planting seeds. You're planting yeah. seeds. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go crazy. You know, because you do want to see the fruit of those seeds, and you don't always get to do that. Um, I got to ask you a question, kind of tongue in cheek here, as we're rounding out the, our time together. Uh, so, with all this data that you're accumulating, you know, when are you gonna give Kara uh, and Pew a run for their nonprofit money? <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, we think that they are all doing really wonderful work. Uh, that's that's a really, and I do believe that, but it sounds like my foreign service diplomatic corps answer. Um, so I think I think the difference. I, I would just say the difference, uh, and 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 they would be the you know because I've had conversations uh, certainly with with them. Well, I can see you all working together. Yeah, and we are. I mean, in, yeah, in many yeah. cases, we reference you know that um, the Pew research and Pew's research, for example, around the, the Eucharist would match our research, like relative to to what we see. So that, that hopefully just provides more support for the importance of, of the Eucharistic revival, for, for instance, and things sure. like that. 
but but um but I think the other piece that we try to do which is distinct is the accompaniment. So mm-hmm. we don't exist just to gather data. Right. We, that we we gather data to to equip and then walk with um, leaders in the church. And so so I think um, you know to be tongue in cheek, that's where we're giving them a run for their money, and they're I okay with it. that. I think. No, they, I they, love it. They support it. Um, they, and, there's and there's there's, there's plenty of room in God's church oh, yeah, to, to sure. do things. So <laughs> for sure. Well, we're kind of rounding out our show here. Unfortunately, as I said before, uh, the time flies, and it certainly has. So we've been ta- chatting with Dan Salucci, CEO of Catholic Leadership Institute. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Matt, I hope to see you at a Hawkeye, you know, game uh, <laughs> at some point in the, the near future. I, I would like to see myself there as well. <laughs> and you, yeah. and you. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I usually ask the guests to offer a prayer for our listeners. Would you mind doing that? I would love to. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of today and every day. And we give you thanks for the gift of the potential that you have placed inside of each one of us. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see each other as you see everyone that you've created. And help us to see our discipleship not as something beyond our reach, but as something that is is an absolute that you have called us to, that we help other people to know uh, that you don't call the equipped, but you always equip the called. Bless Deacon Matt and this wonderful podcast and all the ministry that he does. Uh, And bless all those faithful servants, your priests, your deacons, your religious, your lay leaders uh, who get up every morning trying to put that potential at your service. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. Let's chat again soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.